0: We all need a shot of encouragement to keep us going. A new beginning with Greg Laurie is sure to help in your journey of faith. Hear it twice daily. Details at vision.org.au This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media. Thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation to Visionathon today at vision.org.au The problem is that in the world religious system, wherever you go, you earn favor with God by being good. Only the gospel tells you that you don't get to heaven and you don't have intimacy with God on the basis of how good you are, but on the basis of how good Christ is and that he paid the ultimate penalty for your sin and mine Today, today, today with Jeff Vines. Hello and welcome. Thanks for joining me again on Today with Jeff Vines. In this episode, Pastor Jeff continues a message on love conquering fear. He shares how real this concept is when we understand God's love and the sacrifice made by his son so that he didn't lose us. We don't need to live in fear anymore. Isn't that the good news? Let's continue the message now on Today with Jeff Vines. I had a lady in Australia once uh, in a talkback radio show that I participated in, call me and say, you know, Pastor Jeff, uh, what do you mean when you say God is love? And in Jewish tradition, I answered her question with the question, And I said, well, what do you think I mean by God is love? And she said, well, I think God's love is like a hug or a squeeze of a little kitten. And I had to respond with my favorite verse in the Bible with a little paraphrase out of Isaiah 11. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the young goat and the cat shall be no more. (laughs) Now the Bible doesn't actually say that, especially that last part. But as you can tell, I don't like cats. But love of God is more than some kind of subjective ooey gooey feeling. The love of God described in the Bible always includes sacrifice, whether it's agape, unconditional love, story gay, love between a parent and a child, eros, a romantic kind of love, or phileo, a friendship kind of love, all include sacrifice to some degree. And if you forget what God has done for you, and somehow you become numb to it, you will not have passion for the things of God, because you cannot get close to somebody without being impacted by who they are. And what makes their heart beat a little faster? So my first job here, just quickly, is to remind you of something. And we have a tendency to go away from the gospel back into religion from time to time if we forget this. But I've used this so many times, whether it's on an airplane, actually I used it on Friday night down at the Midnight Sun Lounge at the Western Hotel. There was a lady who looked at me and said, what do you have as a pastor to offer me? And so I took her through this. Usually I'll ask somebody, How do you know you're good with God? How do you know you're going to heaven? Knowing what they think, I'll draw this graph. 100% means I'm 100% good. Zero means I have no good in me at all. And then I'll ask the person, would you do me a favor? And this is not original with me, but would you place your name on this chart where you think you fit? Never once in 25 years of doing this since the days of New Zealand, has anybody ever placed their name below the 50% line? Now, why do you think that is? Because in every one of us, we think as long as we have more good than bad, we're good to go. God loves us, we're going to heaven. So everyone will place their name somewhere here and then I'll go another step. I'll say, you know, it's interesting, Billy Graham was asked this question and he put his name around 33%. Now they're getting a little nervous. (laughs) And I'll say, do you wanna change where you placed your name? Where do you think they placed their name? I mean, it's so close to Billy Graham, (laughs) it's touching the line. It's touching the line. Because I can't go too far down. And then I say, that's interesting because Mother Teresa, by the way, this is true, asked this question and she put hers around 23%. Now they're getting nervous. Would you like to change where you placed your name? They don't know what to do. But you know what they do? They place it so close to Mother Teresa's name, it almost looks like it's right over the line. The problem is that in the world religious system, wherever you go, You earn favor with God by being good. Only the gospel tells you that you don't get to heaven and you don't have intimacy with God on the basis of how good you are, but on the basis of how good Christ is and that he paid the ultimate penalty for your sin and mine. There is no other way. But if you think you're pretty good, your love for God will not be that great. Jesus himself told a story and then he said, here's the application the more forgiveness, the greater your love is going to be. If you feel like you don't need that much forgiveness, your love for God's not going to be that intense. But if you feel like, man, without God, I'm hopeless and I have no eternity, then the more you recognize that and your eyes are open, the more you're going to love and honor God. That's why folks, when I uh, was a, a teaching pastor here, I tried to start a prayer meeting on Wednesday night before our Bible study. I never was able to get more than 15 people out of a church this size to come and pray. Now, let me say something. That probably had more to do with me than you. But when I got to Los Angeles, I wanted to try it again. And God gave me this great idea. He said, if you're gonna start a prayer meeting, you're gonna have to start it with desperate people. People who know they have issues and their only hope is God. So I took our Celebrate Recovery ministry and I had them start the prayer meeting. It's not that they're the only ones who have issues. They're just the only ones willing to admit it and they came, and now we pack it out. We come together, and it's a full house of people praying because we've realized how desperate we are. That corresponds with your love of God. Jesus said in John fourteen six, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But there's a beauty in that exclusivity. Because what Jesus is saying is, if you ever want to see God other than a cosmic taskmaster, you want to see him as a loving heavenly father, you got to get the level, the intensity of grace really required to save you. That he gave up his own son so that he would not lose you. That he turned his back on his own son so that he would not lose you. And if you don't ever understand that, you're never going to have a love for people who've never heard the gospel. In Christ, the message is very different, isn't it? The Bible tells us the curtain of the temple was torn in two. We can go into the holy of holies but you can only go in there because of what Christ did. We're told that the wall of separation between us and God has been torn down. And I I can't help it, but it always reminds me of one of my favorite movies, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And Delmar's just come out of the water and he looks over to Everett and Pete and he says, come on in boys, the water is fine. Jesus looks at us and he says, come on in, it's safe. The gospel's the only way you can truly know how God feels about you. Now, here's why this is important. Let's take that little thought and set it over here and concentrate on this for a moment. Most of us, when we think about people in other cultures, we think, well, they're religious. You know, they have their own way. They're sincere. And because we've been sucked into a secular culture, suddenly we started to think that maybe there are other ways that man can be saved other than the cross. Let me just say something quickly. I hope you realize that if you believe that, then you're making God out to be a masochist. Because if there's another way for us to come to God, why does he need to do that to his own son? And think about how brilliant it is in the mind of God. If God wants to communicate to us in a way we would understand the depth of his love, what is the deepest, most penetrating love of the human experience? The love a parent has for a child. So what does God do? He gives up what is most precious to him so that he does not have to give up you. And so in other cultures, it's about appeasing God. It's about rituals and ceremony. It's a, this world, folks, is a place of fear. I've been to Africa and to Thailand and to Australia, New Zealand, to the South Pacific Islands. It is a place, it is a world of fear. You take India, which is primarily a Hindu culture. Firewalking is still practice. To prove a person's piety and to appease the gods, even though there's serious injury, sometimes death. The practice of hooking is still popular where the backs of a participant is pierced by sharp, sharp hooks and then lifted up off the ground by the tearing of the skin, again, to offer sacrifice and appease the gods, all 330 million of them. Baby tossing still happens today in India. Every year in December, babies are tossed 200 200, 200 feet in the air above the temple. Temple priests will actually release them into a crowd to be caught to appease the gods to remove barrenness and to somehow inspire the gods to give more babies even female infanticide to pay the penalty for sex outside marriage that leads to pregnancy they will take the baby and the baby will be either killed or set afloat on a river to drown people live in fear when you see people washing in the ganges you know it's it's not it's much more than some kind of baptism ceremony It's it's a fearful oppression that if I don't do this and do it often, the gods will punish me. I've been to Thailand. You can't, all through Thailand, everywhere you go, there are these little temples, even outside 7 Elevens. There are little temples that you can stop in your travel and you can pay homage. You can gain a ceremonial blessing. You can warrant off a curse, something that you've done in a previous life. Imagine living with the feeling that the gods are gonna curse you because of something that you did in a previous life that you can't even remember. These religions of our world, they're not just rituals. They are the effect of abject fear. Even in the world of Islam, it's a more subdued fear, but the fear still is there and can be overcome only by religious practices meant to appease Allah. (laughs) A good friend of mine, Nabil Qureshi, The first time I met him, we were doing an apologetic conference together. He's the author of a book called Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. And Nabil was raised in an Islamic home, very fluent in the Quran, knew extensively the difference between the Bible and the teachings of Christ and the teachings of Muhammad. And he said, Jeff, the number one question I get asked is, wait a minute, isn't the Christian God and the Islamic God the same? (laughs) And I said, well, what's your answer? And he says, Jeff, God is never referred to his father, but instead is a taskmaster who demands allegiance without promise. This is the world in which we live. I've seen it in African rituals and altars of Thailand, even the mantras and the sacrifices of China, supposedly atheistic. There is a human hunger of the soul to connect with a loving God, but only Christ gives you that. The Bible says in verse 18, there's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. In the gospel, Jesus clearly says, if it's love and intimacy that you want, if you want love over and above fear, the only way you're gonna get that's through the cross because the cross is where the sacrifice was complete. That's perfect love, the kind of love that will do for you what you cannot do for yourself. And only Jesus offers you that. My friend Silas in India, before we left that evening, he looked at me and said, Jeff, I lived in fear under Hinduism in Christ. All fear is gone. Do you realize what we're taking the world? What you have that you've kind of taken for granted? Do you realize what you have? You have a beautiful treasure in the grace of God. That means when you stand before God one day, you're not going to be judged on how good you were, but on what Jesus did for you. Nobody else has that. That's why you're so much at peace or should be. And if you have no joy in your life, it's because you keep moving away from the cross back into religion. And the reason you're here today is because you're trying to appease God rather than pursue his pleasure. Let me illustrate it like this. Little Indian boy gets up one morning. He sees his father kneeling down on the ground. And there are these two little wooden statues on the mantle. And he's praying and talking and pleading with these statues. And the little Indian boy comes in and says, dad, why do you do this? These statues can't help you. They can't hear, they can't see, they can't speak. They can't do anything. And the father stood up and said, that's blasphemy. And he slapped his young boy across the cheek. And said, don't let me ever hear you say that again. You'll bring curse on our home. And then his father went away on a working vacation, whatever that is. And he comes back a few weeks later, only to discover that one of the statues had been smashed. And there was a stick in the hand of the other statue. And he ran in and he said, son, what has happened here? And the son said, isn't it obvious? The one statue took a stick and smashed the other statue. (laughs) And his father said, are you crazy? These statues can't see, they can't hear, they can't do anything. And the little boy said, that's what I've been trying to tell you. (laughs) What is it that you take the world? You take the world of God that they've never heard about. You take a God of power and volition who's motivated ultimately by love. It's something that they yearn for and long for and you cannot keep it to yourself. Now, let me finish this. Stay with me here just a second. Take that piece of of the love of God, this piece of your understanding of grace, and then the final piece of the puzzle is the idea of cause and effect. In other words, there's gotta be something done if you expect this outcome. Now, this is what I'm trying to get at, at the love of God and the love for people. Because when I first met my wife, Robin, do you know nobody had to come and sit me down and say, you need to spend time with her. You need to kiss her. You need to buy her gifts. You need to hug her. It's amazing. It just naturally happened. And that's what happens. Those things flow. They're natural byproducts out of authentic love and adoration. And when you see what Jesus did to make you his treasure, he will become your treasure. And the natural byproduct, cause and effect, will be you will have a passion to take this good news to the world. There is no shortcut. If you love God, you love people. If you don't love God and you're playing a game and you're appeasing God because you move away from the cross back into religion, you'll never have a love for people that includes sacrifice because all real love does. So here's my challenge to you. I'm out of time. So let me just do this last part as a challenge. Number one, here is my prayer for this wonderful place that that is invested in my life and my family's life and so many others. Pray for a Jesus revelation if you're in this room and you've never had one. (laughs) If your heart is not moved by two billion people unreached and right now you're thinking about what you're having for lunch and when's this gonna be over? I'm begging you to pray for a Jesus revelation that Jesus would reveal His love to you, so that you then would use your resources and your greatest passions for the cause of reaching those who don't yet know Jesus. Revelation five nine tells us that only the Lamb of God, Jesus, is able to open the scroll, and it says, "You were slain, and you, with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe, language, and people and nation." So if we believe Jesus died to purchase people from every tribe and tongue and nation, then let us go to every tribe, tongue, and nation. Why? Because if we don't, we'll feel guilty. No, that'll never work over the long haul because we love people and we love people because God first loved us. And we know that no matter what happens in this world, no matter what it throws at us, we will win in the end. It comes from way down deep in here. Secondly, please generously support your greatest passion. Folks, I love golf, everybody knows that. Whoever knows me knows I love golf. I will spend money on golf. I got no problem spending 50 bucks on a dozen Titleist Pro V1s, the best golf ball they make. I got no trouble going down to San Diego and spending $2,000, and I hope my wife isn't watching this message, but $2,000 to be fit with the right clubs, the right shaft, and the right putter to fit my swing speed, no problem. I got no problem paying good money to go to a Dodger game in the World Series. A friend of mine, Anthony McMahon, said, Pastor Jeff, I got to stick us to the World Series. Do you want to go? Yes. <laughs> We're going to sit beside Sandy Koufax and Ron Say and Steve Garvey. First row, baby. I'd never been to the World Series. He said, That's the good news. I got you a seat. What's the bad news? Going to cost you 800 bucks. Didn't even think about it. Didn't even bat an eye. Here you go. Let's go. And there were all these people from my church. I saw them there. I saw them there. And I know what it cost. And they were putting down $14 beers too. It's it's California, baby. (laughs) Here's the point. I got no buyer's remorse when it comes to golf, baseball, and the things I love. So if I say I love God and I love people, what's wrong with me? That when it comes time to invest in the thing that I say I love the most, all of a sudden I can't find my wallet. (laughs) <laughs> See, this is not a game. That's why Jesus said, where your heart is, there where your treasure be also. You're not going to fool him. What you care most about is what you invest the most in. For every $100 a Christian in North America makes, an average of 0.05 cents goes to the unreached. <laughs> Stephen Corbet and Brian Fickert say this in a book called What Helping Hurts, the Bible's teaching should cut to the heart of North American Christians. By any measure, we are the richest people ever to walk planet earth. You know, what I've discovered in my own life as a minister and part of the growth has been understanding that God is a wise investor, that he is not gonna send his resources to where nothing's happening. Do you know the Bible actually says that? Psalm 67 says, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among the nations. The land yields its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. May God bless us still so that all the ends of the earth will fear him. Please, I need you. We need you to care. Why? Because people are watching you. You're a successful church. They're watching you. They know that you have great leaders, they know you have great facilities. They know you have significant influence. They know that your senior pastor has great influence other pastors over pastors in the US. They're watching you. They're watching him in a, in a real way. We'll follow your lead if you will lead. And third, and finally, listen to the call of God to go to the tough places. I've got much more, but I gotta stop. Here, here, here's how we're gonna stop. Young people, listen to me. This world has nothing to offer you, nothing of substance. You're going to get married. Maybe you're going to have some shit. Ch- Those are good things, but ultimately there is nothing here, nothing here to make your soul stop disintegrating and live for something that's not fragile. When I was a little boy, I played peewee baseball. They put me out in right field because I was no good. That's where you put Wee baseball players because the ball never gets the right field, never gets to the outfield. I got bored, I'm ADD, I was ADD then, I'm ADD now. I'm collecting four leaf clovers because I'm bored. Then one day I stare at the sun. My mom tells me don't stare at the sun, which is a license to stare at the sun. I stare at the sun and over the course of peewee baseball season, I learned this little trick. If you stare at the sun for 20 seconds and you close your eyes really tightly, there are these beautiful little dots bouncing around everywhere, blue and purple and pink and green, they're beautiful but it's frustrating because you can't see them because they're dancing everywhere. So I learned over the course of about six months that if you stare at the sun for 20 minutes, 20 seconds, sorry, don't do that. 20 seconds, (laughs) close your eyes real tight, but instead of trying to see the dots, you focus at a fixed point in the background. If you take your eye off the dots onto something bigger, the little dots will stop. They will stabilize and you'll be able to see them, pink, blue, purple, I'm doing that now because I looked at the light. (laughs) And they're beautiful. And that is your life. As long as your focus is on you. And hey, you know why they call them selfies, right? Because they can't spell narcissism. <laughs> right? If you'll take the focus off you onto something bigger than yourself, guess what happens? The little dots of your life stabilize and you can see them and they come into full view and you will see how beautiful your life really is because of the gospel. God bless you for what you've done so far, but send out your most gifted, send them out because they couldn't live a better life than to give their lives for a purpose greater than themselves. Father, I thank you and I praise you for such a great church. I pray you would bring down blessings, and that I pray there would be a board meeting in heaven where the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit get together and say, you know what? This church seems to be serious about reaching the unchurched. Let's send our resources down, because we can trust them to do the work of ministry in the world. I thank you for your love and compassion for this place and look forward to how you will use it in the years to come, in Christ's name, amen. You've been listening to Today with Jeff Vines. Next time, we'll bring you a new message from Pastor Jeff. You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff Vines wherever you get your podcasts. You make me